The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. I'm excited to welcome my guest today. It's Gangesh Ganesan, who is the founder and CEO of Piernova. Welcome. Hi, great to be here. Thank you for joining me. We have this, my podcast typically is about data and the data ecosystem. And I'm really excited to have you here because you're kind of taking the scope of what we talk about into another area, and that is the financial market and use case of making sure the data is accurate and it has quality. I'm going to ask you to please share a little bit about your company. Sure. You know, the name of the company is Pianova, and we are a Silicon Valley-based data company. We were founded about five years ago. I'm the principal founder of the company. We have offices in Silicon Valley here in San Jose. We also have an office in London and we have an office in New York. Our teams are mostly, you know, distributed around the world. Core of the team is here in Silicon Valley and some development happens in uh, Eastern Europe. We have a small team. We also have a team in Brazil. So we are somewhat a truly global company for a startup. We are venture funded. We've raised, you know, substantial amount of capital to develop our software platform. Our software platform is called Cuneiform, and what this platform does is offers data quality for financial institutions. Now, what is data quality, you may say? And uh, data quality means ensuring the correctness, completeness, consistency, and timeliness of data that might be distributed across different applications, databases, data stores, data warehouses, and the like in a global financial institution. And, you know, it's a particularly difficult problem because, you know, a lot of the data might be in different formats, uh, might be in legacy systems. And at any particular moment, there are various business folks and other folks in a financial institution that want to use the data to make decisions. And before making the decisions, they want to make sure that the data they have is correct, complete, consistent, and timely. Right. Otherwise, you will make probably incorrect decisions. And so this is a very important aspect and a very important and relevant problem today in the financial industry. It sounds like a comprehensive solution to a major pain point in the industry. Yes. So it is a very important you know, problem in the industry. And the industry has struggled with this type of problem for a long time. For you know, the last two, three decades, data quality has been a major problem. And the way financial institutions originally solved this problem is by throwing more people at it. So I'll give you a simple example. A typical large financial institution, you know, you can take someone like Citi, Bank of America, you know, any of the big financial institutions, JP Morgan. If you look and try and see what they're comprised of, they'll have many different pieces to their business, but a substantial number of people work in what are called middle and back office operations. In addition, they also are big partners to outsourcing houses in India, like TCS, Wipro, Infosys, these kinds of people. Now, 
what all these folks are doing in the middle and back office and in these out outsourcing you know big companies is typically making sure that the data is correct complete and consistent so they have solved the problem but it does take in some cases tens of thousands of people to do this and our platform is about how do we apply uh, technology to automate as many of the workflows as possible you know so we can do this at a substantially lower cost and more importantly we can do it in near real time you know orchestrating a workflow with uh, hundreds of people typically cannot be you know done in near real time while because this is in software we can do this in near real time what inspired you to do this like how did you come about this idea and what led you here so, you know, it's been a long journey, right? You know, in any startup, you actually start off with a thesis and then you sort of validate the thesis by building a product, going to clients, talking to clients, showing the product, and then gradually refining your thesis. So very early on, we were inspired by some ideas that came about in uh, blockchains, which is a technology used in uh, cryptocurrencies. And one crucial idea in a blockchain is the notion of something that we call lineage. And in lineage, essentially in a blockchain, you can find the origin of any transaction and you can track it, you know, in both directions. You can track it in forward directions if it's possible. In some cases it is. But more easily, you can track it backwards. You can actually see this transaction originated from what, you know, seed event or genesis event. And, you know, this idea sort of stuck in our heads when we started the company and we said, wow, why not try and build a very generic software platform in which every event, every piece of data can be tracked this way. And that sort of led us on this journey. And we realized very soon that data quality in financial institutions and being able to maintain such lineage and therefore, you know, kind of quote unquote audit trails of data in doing it at scale and solving for, you know, correctness, completeness, consistency problems is an important challenge. But it took us a while to actually build it. It's been a four or five year journey of platform building, you know, with many, many different pieces of technology to solve it. And did you start, you know, with the vertical of the financial industry because that's your background or is that where the biggest pain point was? That's where this solution could be the most effective and critically needed given all the regulation and stuff. Yeah, so it's a great question. My own background is in technology, in networking, distributed systems, and the like. You know, I've been a serial entrepreneur doing a couple of different companies in the past in the space. And, you know, last 20 years of my career has all been in this kind of, you know, networking and big data and data related space. But, you know, as you rightly pointed out, you know, the pain point is most severe in the financial institution, which are regulated and going through massive changes, you know, sort of the Gen Xs, Gen Yers, Gen Zers are all behaving in different ways with money than sort of the prior generations. And so financial institutions have been undergoing many changes and all over the last 20 years, you know, starting with the internet and, and mobile and, and mobile banking and, and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, the pain points are very, very acute. And obviously financial crisis of 2008 precipitated many different complex regulatory requirements on financial institutions. And so, you know, over the last three, four years, as we've gone and talked to financial institutions and worked with many of the largest financial institutions in the world, we realized that the problem is most acute here. And in fact, you know, the company's entire focus today is just in capital markets, financial institutions. Got it. And where are you on this journey? Are you, you know, in terms of client adoption? So it's a great question, right? Obviously, as a startup, is anyone using your product? This is your vaporware. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> you said it more bluntly than I did. <laughs> yes. yes, we've had the fortunate, you know, the, the fortune of working with many large financial institutions. Some of them have been teaching clients. You know, early on, we partnered with a couple of them who actually helped us refine the thesis that we had, shape the direction of our product. And, you know, one of the largest financial institutions in the world, you know, sort of adopted us very early on for, you know, some core ideas combining what we call event lineage with data quality and helped us productize in a very complex global environment. And so they are our first, you know, client. Again, they're a large regulated financial institution. I can't name them, but they're one of the largest. Everybody knows, knows who they are. They were our first clients. We since have multiple clients of a similar nature. They're all similar large financial institutions, global financial institutions. And more recently, you know, there's a very specific data quality problem in which we have to work not just with a single financial institution, but we have to work with a number of different financial institutions. In fact, 15 of the largest financial institutions in the world are working with us on that particular data quality problem, which is a very important problem in the world. And we've just sort of launched that and uh, we'll be talking more publicly about it in Q2. And maybe at that time we can come back and talk to you about it. But every, you know, sort of popular household, large bank that you can imagine are all members of that and are working with us as clients. That's exciting. Yes, very exciting. Yeah. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling programming and hosting services or consultation we are agile and quick to meet your needs visit paradigmsample.com today so in the traditional market research data analytics space this question of data quality is ill-defined right because in times it's considered data quality is in the eye of the beholder or it's dependent on the use case of that piece of data. And I'd love to get your perspective on your four attributes in terms of data quality. Consistency, what does that mean to you? Yeah, so, you know, I'll answer the specific question as well, but, you know, one of the challenges has been that, you know, most of the, you know, sort of what you call big data, which is uh, itself is a big revolution in data in terms of using, you know, technologies that are appropriate for the volume, velocity, and variety that we're talking about today. These technologies are all sort of what I would call IT-centric, meaning they provide a bunch of very powerful tools, you know, distributed databases, you know, programming or uh, execution paradigms, query paradigms and the like, all of which are actually meant for the IT user inside a financial institution or any institution for that matter. Now, the data quality problems that we saw in large financial institutions, we thought this was, uh, you know, based on learning that we had by working with clients in the space, we recognized that the people with the most amount of knowledge on the workflows and therefore the quality of the data, therefore the beholder of the data was really a business person or someone in an operations team, someone in a regulatory reporting team, someone in the CFO's organization, someone in the risk organization. And typically they were strongly technical, but they were not developers. They were not Java programmers getting ready to program 
you know, MapReduce applications or Spark applications necessarily. They were very savvy technically. They were business analysts at most, in most cases, but necessarily weren't like hands-on, you know, like low-level developers. So the intent for us was to solve the data quality problems for these business users. So the way we went about solving the problem was using this notion, and this is sort of emerging in the industry. It's called zero code. The idea is that we will build the software and all of the tools for folks, for these business users, so that they can drag and drop a few widgets on the screen and code is automatically generated underneath. It actually is, you know, Java code, MapReduce code, Spark code, whatever it might be, whatever the underlying infrastructure we use, and we use all of these. And the business user, in essence, is getting the benefit of creating this, you know, correctness, consistency, completeness, timeliness, the four attributes of data quality that we talk about. Now, you know, and to answer a specific question, what does consistency mean? Consistency is a very important an attribute in the financial industry and data quality. I'll give you an example that'll kind of help you understand it a little better. Let's say there are two systems. In one system, you're storing all your raw trade. Let's say you've done a bunch of trades and all the trades are actually stored here. But you know what you've then chosen to do is consolidate these trades. So all the trades that were trading in Cisco, you actually netted it and said, well, you know, here is the netted position of my Cisco trades. Here is the netted position of all my Apple trades and so on, right? So in one system, you have the netted position, which means you've summed and compressed everything. In the other system, you have the raw events. To say that the two events are consistent, you now need to somehow figure out whether all the events and the truth that is represented in the uncompressed state is the same as the truth that is being represented in the compressed netted state. In some compressions may be very complex. They may have actually allocated in complex sub-accounts and the like. And so you have to now on the fly execute some really complex logic to determine the quality of the data between the two because the CFO may, in one instance, choose to actually report out of the uncompressed trades. In some instance, may choose to report out of the compressed trades because that's kind of how financial statements work. Financial statements themselves are actually compressed documents, right? You just look at your sales number as one line, but that one line may actually expand into, you know, millions of rows, right? So, you know, this data quality problem, now you can kind of get an idea as to what consistency means. That's basically a quick example of what consistency means. And consistency in that model needs to be 100% accurate, right? Between the raw and the compressed. Absolutely. So this is the other part in the financial industry. All these data quality problems we're talking about, they don't need to be accurate 99.99% of the time. They need to be accurate all the time. Right. Imagine waking up one day and looking at your bank account and it is actually wrong, right? You don't want that ever to be the case, right? And it rarely is. And I don't think too many people call today and say, oh my God, my account is wrong, right? You can't actually afford to make any mistakes. So part of the challenge in this is how do you actually have these, you know, multi-step process? How do you actually at every step of the process, you know, try and give greater and greater confidence about the accuracy of what you're seeing before you actually go off and settle trade? You know, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it a little tantalizing. Now you know why the industry uses T plus two settlement. Industry uses T plus two settlement so that you can actually kind of guarantee all of this across the industry rather than just sort of make it on the spot because you could actually end up having issues, you know, doing it that way. But I'll leave it at that. It's a different conversation for another day. 
I appreciate that. So let's talk about how you actually sell this into a client, because it's almost like a black box behind the scene as you think about all these attributes and how you address them. Not a black box, but you need a technical view to say, yes, all these rules, this code actually lines up to what it's supposed to do. So then the business user has confidence that it's doing what it needs to do. How do you address that? Yeah, so it's another great question. So obviously, enterprise selling of software at these levels is a hard problem, right? So what we do typically is that we offer clients a model where they can do a pilot with us kind of for free. And part of this is for clients to onboard data themselves and actually see that it works for their use case rather than take our word for it, right? Because it becomes too complex for us to go anything else. So, you know, to the first order, our selling process always involves the clients being able to do a pilot or a POC, you know, in some sense, you know, at a very simple, in a simple, quick way, right? So that's something that we offer, number one. Two, referenceable clients are a big deal, right? So, you know, for you to be able to reference other large clients is a big deal here. Three, we try to identify use cases which are easily, quote unquote, clonable, right? where, you know, let's say you go solve some middle back office settlement clearing workflow for some one large financial institution. You want to kind of go and replicate that at other institutions because pretty much everybody has similar workflows, right? Everybody is in the same industry doing the same businesses. More than likely, the steps that they're following because they're regulatorily driven are very, very similar, right? So it's, we try and have that step and repeat concept where we've actually built everything. It's easy to demonstrate and it's easy to do the POC pilot with us and go on from there. So that's sort of been the mechanism and it's been quite successful doing it that way. That's fantastic. And so where do you see the future of your company? What are the trends that you are going to address? And, you know, when you look out five years from now, where do you want your company to be? So I think we are in an interesting point in the journey. We've built a a very nice platform, all kinds of features, all kinds of integrations have been done into it, you know, but it's software. We continue building it. Roadmap is very interesting and we keep adding more capabilities, features and other things into the platform. You know, 2021 is a year where we are rapidly acquiring more what we would call an enterprise logo acquisition phase, right? Where we are bringing more and more clients onto our platform. And, you know, so we're growing our top line and we are growing our footprint in the industry. And, you know, I really believe that, you know, this problem of data quality is one of those fundamental things that the industry has lacked a comprehensive end-to-end solution for. So, you know, as an entrepreneur, obviously we are looking Looking at always at our, our ideas as, you know, possibly being able to, you know, shape the industry. We think data quality is one of those category making, you know, ideas. We think, you know, we are well positioned to be successful within this category. So, you know, I would want to say we think we can build a, a really big and successful business here. Do you have competition? Of course, there's always people doing it. In, like I said, one way by which people have solved the problem today is by having lots and lots of IT outsourcing efforts doing it. You know, the zero code is one way to automate that. You know, so there's all kinds of, you know, legacy applications. People sometimes, you know, bring consultants on top of their IBM Oracle platforms and use various point tools for trying to solve it. Resolving exceptions is a very hard hard problem, trying to, you know, understand the business value, the materiality of the exceptions is another one, right? You know, you might find a whole bunch of data inconsistencies, 
but if they're not material, maybe you don't need to prioritize them immediately, right? So being able to kind of have that type of sophistication and in automation and figuring out, you know, the materiality is another pertinent thing. So, you know, in some of these areas, these are new ideas, but like any industry, there's a lot of legacy players. So there's broad competition, you'd say across the IT landscape here. There's inertia as well. Absolutely. You know, in a sense, the biggest competitor we face is inertia because people are used to doing things the way they've been doing all along. And so you've got to go and show a compelling offering to them where the ROI is almost immediate. So you have to price the product and you have to, you know, show the value proposition in such a way that it is a compelling adoption. So, you know, all challenges that uh, all startups face in some sense, and we face it too. And that's what we are in the midst of, you know, successfully executing against at this particular moment. So let me ask you a couple of personal questions. You're a serial entrepreneur. You have started and sold companies. It's not easy. It's a lot of hard work. What keeps you motivated? What keeps you, you know, fighting every single day and motivated to build companies? You know, uh, it's a good question. You know, I think I enjoy working with the ecosystem. We have a great group of people here in Pianova. So uh, it's very motivating to work with people who are, you know, pure joy to work with. You know, me, work doesn't feel like work. It's like, I get paid, you know, to do things that I enjoy the most, which is work with these folks. And the clients are some of the most exciting clients in the world. They're the large financial institutions, typically in New York, London, Zurich, Singapore, Tokyo. You know, over the last five years, I've gone and visited clients in all of these places. So it's some of the most exciting cities and uh, these are some of the most exciting large clients in the world. So, you know, that's what really motivates me, you know, being able to solve problems for, you know, clients in this market with some of the most interesting and and fun people to work with. And as you spoke about COVID-19 or 2020 earlier, what is the one lesson that you have learned from running a business, starting, you know, a startup, actually you're five years in, so I shouldn't say starting a startup, but, you know, running an early stage company during COVID? Uh, You know, my experience, I've been surprised by how easy it is to be highly effective, you know, as a team executing to a shared vision, if it's the right vision, by working remotely. I am truly impressed by how well our team, of course, we're a software company. We always had the tools to do most of the work remotely. We had uh, remote teams, like I mentioned to you, the Brazil team, the Belarus team. So we already had folks in our team that were working remotely, but obviously now everyone works remotely. And the team already had the tools, so it was sort of an easy transition. But the transition to, you know, meeting clients in person, trying to build those relationships in person in converting those, all of them into Zoom calls, Google Meet, uh, you know, WebEx, uh, whatever the tool may be, that, you know, early on looked a little daunting. We were actually wondering in 2020 how as an early stage startup with a product in hand was going to deter us. Interestingly, some of our biggest initiatives actually came up last year, right in the middle of COVID. And we've been kind of very happy with the outcome so far. So, you know, I'd say, you know, the modern world has taught us one thing, and that is that remote work is actually truly possible. Yes, for sure. And I think it surprised all of us, many of us, that it's possible and that, you know, we're all in it together, which makes a huge difference as well. Yeah. Gangesh, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it and wish you so much luck on your journey and obviously come back anytime to share more with us as you go through this journey. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. 
Head over to www.datagurusepodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. exclusively. That's www.datagurusepodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.